the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official New York Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen here in studio again for the official Jets podcast. Again, we're taking a retroactive look on the Jets offseason. It's been four or five months now since we've really taken a, a deep dive as to what happened free agency in the draft. Last episode, we talked to Joe Caparoso of Turn On the Jets. And again, the media's been talking, the fans have been talking. We're taking a little bit of both with Joe Caparoso on last show. and this show, we have Connor Rogers. He grew up a Jets fan. He's going to tell you more about his fandom later on in the show, but he does a lot of great stuff for Bleacher Report. He covers the draft all year round with Matt Miller. You can follow him at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter, Matt Miller at NFL Draft Scout, both friends of the pod on the official Jets podcast, that is. And, uh, and they have their own podcast. They do have their own podcast, Stick to Football. Yep. And that's year-round. That has gotten me through traffic on the mornings, okay. coming to work from time to time, depending upon how, you know when their episodes come out. But uh, So I appreciate that because there's definitely some traffic to sit in. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the Jets because it's OTA time. Mini camps around the corner. That was very interesting. You got oh. stuck there for a second. I almost thought you were on seventy-eight or ninety-five. You were just—you got stuck in your car there for a second. When? Right now. You didn't know where you were going. You were talking about traffic. I, I, and I, then... I have like PTSD from traffic the other week. Okay. From when it was downpouring. Dude, you grew up in New York City. Yeah, but this is th- something you're used is, to. Yeah, that's different. But in the city, you don't—you know—you don't drive around. You—you you transport around. Bus, subway, me personally, walk. No, you walk a lot of places. Yeah, unless it's like super far. Yeah. 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 But uh, I'm, I'm a big walker because you go at your own pace. You can you cut corners. You jaywalk. You don't have to worry about other people. You know, it, it, it's honestly, honestly, it's kind of like a game. It's, you know, you, you're you're juking people. You're not spinning, but, you know, you're, you're sliding between people. You, you're navigating. You're like a running back out there. You got to see the hole. You got to attack it. You got to go through. Did you see a couple of weeks ago? You there, was, cut there, back. there was a big storm in, in uh, our area in New York City and New Jersey on a Tuesday night. This happened a little while ago. And did you see somebody posted a photo? You mean when I picked you up in, from the lightning? Yeah, I yeah. went out for a run out back, you know, a little three and a half mile run, and I probably got three miles in, and it looked like a tornado was coming. <laughs> yeah, the sky yeah, was, was black. Uh, it looked like we were on the eve of destruction. Did you see the photo of the two people playing golf in Hawaii, and the volcano erupted behind them? No. Oh, I got I got to find it. But anyway, continue your story. Oh, all right. So uh, there is uh, there is a great photo. This is stuff that you want to know what intimidates me. Penn Station when the trains are all delayed and the mass <laughs> of humanity is all just sitting amongst each other. That's a beautiful photo, and yeah. th- those people are certifiably crazy. Yeah, this is a real. You got to. So look yes, up on I Twitter, texted you. I texted you to pick me up when, uh, basically, at four o'clock in the afternoon, the sky became black, and it looked like 
um, Armageddon was around the corner. <laughs> okay, long. Okay, I understand the city point, but city traffic is much different because yeah, but it's you, a lot louder. Let's put it that way. But Everyone's being tra- I, and, I don't mind being in a city with a lot going on. I just neither. don't want to be trapped at Penn Station. No, got, no, no, it's no. A no bad that, that feeling. Is, yeah, that. Yeah, it's too hot. There's different smells. It really don't. You know, and, and, go and, well and, you have, with and you. you have no idea what's going on. That, yep. That's the one thing. Is like when you're in your car, you control what's on the radio, the heat, the air. Yep. You can kind of navigate what's going around. Okay, this guy's stuck in the middle of an intersection. Whatever, people are going to honk at him, make him feel bad about himself. Whatever. Yeah. Penn Station, you're trapped in the zoo. Yeah. You um, are trapped in the zoo. Yeah. So Penn Station is just a place that you should use to walk. Through. Or buy Krispy Kreme donuts um, because those don't really exist anywhere in New York City anymore. Is that true? Yes. Mm. There used to be one uh, near where I grew up, and my mom would always say it's a blessing and a curse because whenever you wanted a donut, it, the best donuts in town were right there, but maybe you were a little more inclined to go get them because they were right there. You know, uh, so uh, Connor Rogers is going to be joining us here on the podcast. Maybe and, he likes donuts. And, well, maybe. I, I imagine most people do. Yeah. It just depends on how much you're going to have with them. Uh, but like we were talking about before, Conor Rogers working well with Matt Miller, Bleacher Report. They got a, a long-standing relationship, a friendship, and they work well together. Another thing Conor's really dived into has been the draft. That's mm-hmm. kind of his niche. But he knows Jets football because he's another guy, much like they aforementioned Joe Caparoso. Um, this was part of his deal growing up. This is part of his DNA. So he knows a lot about the Jets and the draft. And even he's already looking ahead to 2019. Yeah, have you he, been doing that? No, but I have seen a video of Ed Oliver, who's the Houston defensive tackle. Yeah. And he was going through these, these drills where he was standing up running like a defensive back, and it is freaky. I'm so happy the NFL does not have a draft lottery. The NBA, oh my God, the NBA yeah. had a draft lottery get, yeah, a get, little get while ago, program. and it just takes too long. It's uh, ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah, I don't know. It it works for the NFL because it's so different the landscape. You're talking about the NBA where trust the process never happened in the NFL. Yeah, just wouldn't happen. This it's it's just a completely different dynamic. But uh, I know I wasn't home. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when that NBA draft lottery took place, but I know a lot of people were very disappointed that it was just long. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like the selection It's like the selection show for March Madness. It's just a long time, but this year they changed it. Yeah. They, they said, here are the brackets, let's analyze. I liked the, you knew when the Jets concluded their 2017 season. Yeah, you knew where they stood. On New Year's Eve in New England, you might have had to wait for one game at four. I don't even remember. But the Jets, you, you, you woke did. up you, you, did. you woke up January 1st and you knew the Jets were six overall. But Mike McKagan didn't like that spot. So he said, I'm going to move up to number three overall on March 17th. What do you think about that? St. Patrick's uh, Day. Uh, I, I Luck like of it. the Irish, huh? I like it. Uh is McKagan Irish? I don't know. I don't know either because they could be Scottish. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good. I could see that. Being oh, we, Scottish. We'll have to certainly ask him when he joins the New York Jets official podcast because he has not uh, been on here. We talked. He is to not. Him. We talked and, to him and, quite and, a bit. And you cannot be a friend of the pod until you are on the pod. I'd still. 
call him a friend. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that he's not a friend, but he's not a friend of the pod. Okay. Yet. Well, Connor Rogers is about to become a friend of the pod. All right, EA, let's hit the phone lines again. We're going to bring in Connor Rogers. You can follow him on Twitter on Connor J. Rogers. Connor, thanks so much for joining the show. For people that do not follow you, which they should, how are you a Jets fan? I know you do stick to football for Bleacher Report. You do a little bit with Joe Caparoso and turn on the Jets, and you do the draft and Bleacher Report. So kind of give Jets fans a lowdown on who Connor Rogers is. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's it's interesting because I grew up in New York and uh, in a family that had season tickets for the Jets since the Shea Stadium days. So I was at the Meadowlands when I was at about five years old. And at that point, you know, you kind of have – you don't have much of a choice when your family's that a bunch of diehards rooting for the team. So that's kind of how I became a Jets fan growing up. And when I went to college, um, you know, I studied business. I didn't think I'd work in sports media and I was writing for Turn on the Jets. I would love to, but it's hard to break into full-time. And, you know, fortunately, I fell into a situation at Bleacher Report where I, I got a job as a research assistant, so, you know, an entry-level way in. Uh, I knew I always wanted to cover either football or mainly the NFL draft or both all year round, and it was at a time where things were breaking so many different ways, where writing was still very popular, but video was getting off the ground. Obviously, podcasting has gotten off the ground. So I kind of came from a background where I learned how to do everything. And while I grew up a Jets fan, you know, it kind of gave me an opportunity at Bleacher Report to cover the league-wide, whatever we were talking about that day, preparing our talent, whether it is Matt Miller, who covers the draft for us all year round, Chris Sims, who covers the NFL for us all year round. So it was kind of my way in here about almost four years ago now. It's hard to believe I've already been at Bleacher Report right out of college almost four years and it's pretty much been the dream because i got to stay in new york city close to you know where my family is close to where teams i grew up for rooting for play while working you know covering it everything league-wide stick to football what can you tell us about that we i've had a long time relationship with uh Matt Miller, who you mentioned before, you said you were a research assistant for him for a little bit, but now you guys got your own deal. You got your own podcast. Yeah, Matt wanted a podcast for, I mean, even before I started working at Bleacher Report. And, you know, this is when they were really just getting off the ground. It wasn't really a thing at Bleacher Report yet, and it was something he always wanted to do on his own. So we've been working together for already, you know, about two and a half years when everything for it came together, we said, you know, there's move the sticks. There, there was some podcasts that do cover the draft almost year round, but there was nothing from our angle. And we felt like it was the perfect space because it's a blend of college football, the NFL, really the NFL offseason. That's free agency and the draft included. And a place where we can introduce the players to fans before they really get to know them. Because Let's be real, a lot of NFL fans, especially in the New York market, might not be diehard college football fans. So but when you look at it, this gave us an opportunity to kind of present those players. I mean, Jets fans that listen to our show have heard us talking about not only Sam Darnold, but guys like Nathan Shepard for what seems like forever now. So it was a space that we knew we could have a lot of fun with, a, a place where we knew we would have an audience. And, you know, Matt and I have worked together, so the chemistry – was seamless at Bleacher Report. It was just a matter of actually executing it. 
and it's it's been a really awesome ride for not even you know 13 14 months we've been doing it now it it is your job but are you would you consider yourself a diehard college fan you grew up in an area where i don't consider it nor will you a college football hotbed i mean i went to graduate school at the university of florida sec country and just a totally different atmosphere environment when i think of new york i think of professional sports right off the bat so did you always have a love and passion for college football or did that just make sense for you professionally i always had the love for it because of my dad but i never had a love for a team which is really weird because you nailed it ea i grew up in new york so i'm diehard jets mets rangers knicks fan true and through you know all year round but when it came to college football season, it was really about just watching college football from when kickoff happened at 12 o'clock until the late, late night West Coast game. That was something me and my dad always did. Now, in an era he grew up in, he was really a diehard Penn State fan. So we naturally always watched Penn State. But I never found myself gravitating to a team, really just gravitating to the game, which kind of led to how my career shaped up because we live in a sports media world where – you know, biases are are good and bad. And in college football, I don't really have a bias. I just absolutely love the game, love the players before they make the jump to the NFL. So it was an interesting space for me to get into. And now more than ever, covering the draft year-round, it's, it's the perfect stepping stone, really, before the NFL coverage. All right, moving on now, diving into the Jets' 2018 season. Given the landscape of the team as it stands around OTAs and minicamp is – we're past free agency, we're past the draft, but when you look back on those two in particular, Connor, for you, who are a couple guys or what are a couple moves that really stand out to you that maybe aren't the big ticket fish per se? Oh, I, I'm going to jump in here. Okay, I, I, oh know, I know I know, Connor's a big Shepherd fan. Well, I, 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 I was going to say... Um, oh, you even beyond the third round, you're saying? Well, I, Connor, not not to like sound like a stalker here, I, I heard you... On stick to football, say that he likes Dimitri Flowers. So, okay. what do you think about that? Okay, drafted free agent. Athletes? I think a lot of people like Dimitri, but we're going to let the counter talk because he is the guest. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. I mean, you guys nailed it. But we'll start with Flowers because when you look at this team, there was rumors that real they really wanted to sign a player like Kyle Juzak, you know, the Juice, a, a couple off seasons ago, a player that got a pretty hefty contract from the San Francisco 49ers for what is considered as a fullback. But now when you look at the skill set between him and Flowers, an undrafted free agent for this team, very similar. These are not your traditional fullbacks that are going to play, you know, 60 to 70 percent of the snaps and lead block on 60 to 70 percent, you know, all of those snaps. So when you look at it, Flowers is a guy that can run and catch the ball. And yes, he can block. He's just a reliable player, whether it's being a receiver more towards the red zone or even blocking or getting out in the flats in between the 20s. He's a player that I was shocked he wasn't drafted. Let's just say that. I mean, I thought he was a fifth-round kind of player, and that's only because of the positional value. Now, when you look at Jeremy Bates, what he wants to do on this offense, he valued tight ends that block. And I don't really think he necessarily had the fullback to put that into effect last year either. So now he has the tight ends, whether it's drafting Herndon, who's a very sneaky good blocker for Miami, Eric Tomlinson is placed a guy that's proven that he's a very good blocking tight end. Now you have a fullback that can also block and catch the ball. And when you look at Sam Darnold, you need to give this guy the safety valve all year, whether it's the tight ends, whether it's the backs. 
Get Flowers on the field with Crowell. Get Flowers on the field with Powell. Let those guys go to work. It's going to also help up the offensive line. You need to protect your quarterback, no matter who starts, whether it is Josh McCown, whether it is Sam Darnold, whether it is Teddy Bridgewater. You need to protect that guy, and there's two ways to do it. You're going to help out your offensive line with tight ends and backs that can really chip in and pass protection, or you're going to be able to run the ball. And Flowers can contribute in both those ways, which is why I think when you look at these guys that were either day three picks or undrafted free agents, he has a really good chance to stick to the final 53. Give me your take on Jordan Leggett. Uh, Fifth-round pick in 2017. He went down in the preseason uh, against the Lions, actually, ironically, in Detroit, where the Jets will open up their 2018 campaign. Because when you were just talking about tight ends a little bit there, Connor, I immediately thought of Herndon as a guy who can do a little bit of both. He was athletic at Miami. He can make yards after the catch. And you talked about his blocking ability. When we think about E.T., Eric Tomlinson, the first thing that comes to mind is what he can do as a blocker. Jordan Leggett, he was a proficient receiver at Clemson. If he's healthy, what are your expectations for him here in the spring and the summer? He's got his work cut out for him because this has quickly become a crowded depth chart when you look at it. Austin Safarian Jenkins leaves in free agency, but they signed Clive Walford or they put a waiver claim on him. They Mm -hmm. drafted Herndon, who is a very good player. If he didn't get hurt, he probably wasn't making it out of day two of the draft. You have to like what you have in Tomlinson because he's reliable, and even Neil Sterling flashed towards the end of last season. So Leggett has his work cut out for him, but where he can actually – you know, carve his niche in this offense is as that H tight end, a tight end that you could split out and be a pass catcher up the seam. That's what he did at Clemson for Deshaun Watson. So when you look at Leggett, there technically is a place for him in this offense because the rest of this group are not the type of aerial threats that he is, whether it is the red zone, whether it's working over the middle of the field. Somebody has to replace that Austin Safarian Jenkins role as a chains mover, a guy that's reliable, a reliable pass catcher that let's be real, one of the potentially a rookie quarterback might be looking to throw to. But the most important thing for a guy like Leggett, and this has always been the case at whatever level of football, he needs to be on the field. And in this group, you can fall behind the competition really quickly if you're not consistently on the field practicing in training camp and playing in the preseason. What do you make about this Jets receiving core that's getting the re-addition of Quincy Anuna, who missed all of last season with a neck injury. This is a group, to me, Connor, that maybe doesn't necessarily get a lot of national attention, but last year, Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Kearse both had career years. So when you get those two guys back with the addition of Anuna and then you sign Terrell Pryor, what do you make of this group? I like the group a lot more than most. This is actually a question we have gotten a lot of on stick to football the Jets fans feel slighted that the national media really feels that wide receiver is somehow a weak spot for this team. I would actually argue it's a strength. And that's because I think a lot of people forgot how good a Noonma was in 2016. The Jets need a guy in this group that can really make things happen with the ball in his hands after the catch. Anunwa is one of the best guys at doing that in the entire AFC East when you look at it, whether it's on the drag routes, getting him in motion, or even what he did in the red zone. So now you have Anunwa back. You have Robbie Anderson, who has proven to not only be a vertical threat, but he's really rounded out his game. I mean, almost 1,000 yards last season, almost 10 touchdowns. I mean, when you go for 941 and seven touchdowns, in your second year, he's only 25 years old as a former undrafted free agent. Anderson really has a rounded-out game, but his speed is, is absolutely lethal. But the most important thing that they did with this unit, because 
you have a clear-cut one and two between Anderson and Anunwa. They provided depth behind these guys because Terrell Pryor, yes, he had a down year last year, but the year we saw before that with Josh McCown, this is a 1,000-yard receiver. This is another guy that has the six foot three profile with the four three five kind of speed. So you simply can't teach that. And Jermaine Curse was a really, really go-to, reliable, consistent slot option for this team last year. And we haven't even talked about two guys that you know people have completely forgotten or written off in our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen, yep. who really spent their rookie seasons last year as developmental options. So the Jets have a lot to work with here, and that's just really in the top six. While they did make some other signings like Charles Johnson, who's looking to get his NFL career back on track, they've done a great job with it because this is a league where injuries cost offenses so much throughout the year, and they actually have guys that can step in and play at multiple receiver spots. But it all starts at the top with Anuno and Anderson, who are true impact mismatch difference makers. Yeah, Mike McKagan always talks about improving competition at every position. They certainly are going to have very good competition there at the wide receiver spot. Let's go over to the defensive line. You know, as a guy who's followed the Jets very closely for a number of years, this defensive line has really changed dramatically over the past three or four years. Damon Snacks Harrison obviously cross town playing with the Giants. Sheldon Richardson just signed with the Minnesota Vikings. McKagan traded him a couple days before the offseason last year for the aforementioned curse and then a second-round pick that he eventually used to get Sam Darnold. And then most recently, Connor, of course, the Jets released Muhammad Wilkerson. He signs with the Green Bay Packers. So that takes us to April and the Jets address the defensive line in a big-time way, I think, on those. On day two and day three of the draft, they get Nathan Shepard out of Fort Hayes State in the third round. They come back on day three with Forlonzo Fucasi. <laughs> Forlonzo Farukasi. No, Forlonzo Farukasi <laughs> in the sixth round. <laughs> and then they also get a guy who's familiar with the 3-4 system, uh, in Henry Anderson, and I thought it was great value there, just giving up a seventh-round pick for a guy who's a former third-round pick, and he's got starting experience. I think he's started 16 games over the course of his first three years. I mean, when you look at the move for Anderson, I think it can quietly go down as easily a top-three move of this gigantic offseason, wow. whether it was the signings or the draft picks. When you trade the 235th overall pick for a guy like Anderson, who had a freakish injury last year and should be healthy now, that's an absolute steal. He's another one of those guys in the 3-4 system, can play 5-tech, can kick into 3-tech, a really, really productive run stopper. But when you go back to the draft classes, they really start to turn this unit and you know, this is a youth movement here. The only guy on the wrong side of 30 is McClendon when you look at this deep unit. Nathan Shepard is such an interesting player because, you know, our Bleacher Report crew gets to the Senior Bowl and there's this unknown defensive lineman out of Fort Hayes State that's just really whooping up on every top offensive lineman in the first day of practice. Everyone's talking about him, and it's Nathan Shepard. And unfortunately, he fractured his hand and missed the rest of the week. The senior bowl could have been his to own. I mean, when you look at his reps against someone like Will Hernandez that went 34th overall in the draft, he was winning consistently. So this idea that Shepard is raw or not ready to play for an older rookie I think Bowles came out right away and addressed it and said, I don't agree with that. I think he could be an impact player right now because he has pass rush ability, which is so vital after moving on from Sheldon Richardson last summer, after moving on from Muhammad Wilkerson this year. 
the Jets need to put guys that can get after the quarterback from the interior along with Leonard Williams. So there are a lot of interchangeable players because when you look at Shepard, Anderson, Leonard Williams, and McClendon, those guys have no problem playing three-tech, five-tech. They even kick inside the nose sometimes. But then you have the true nose tackles, whether it is Foley, Fadukasi, or, you know, it, it just goes on and on. I know Deion Simon has stuck around, and when you look at bringing back Mike Pinnell, he's really the guy that'll play over the center as the true nose tackle. So Bowles likes a big defensive front for his 3-4, and they went out in the draft and got three huge pieces for it right away where I don't think teams are going to be running the football on this Jets unit that much this hmm. year. What is it about Henry Anderson that you like so much? And for fans that don't know, can you just kind of explain from what you know about his freakish injury? Yeah, Anderson's interesting because you look at his career at Stanford and he was super, super productive and never really got the true top 50 love that he deserved. And then he comes into the, you know, for the Colts and was really an impact starter right away. And you look at the injury last year when he was having a nice season. It's the first week in November and he has a throat injury. When you get, you know, hit in the throat, essentially, it, it costs him the rest of the year because you just need the time to recover from that. But at least it's not one of those things where he, you know, tore a ligament or technically broke a leg or something like that that could affect his play speed. Athletically, he should still be the same guy he's always been. So when Anderson is on the field, you know, nobody moves this guy off the line of scrimmage at the point of attack. He's been so good against guards and tackles early on in his career. And Bowles is going to like a reliable veteran presence there. He's had three years in the NFL already where he has played a lot of ball for the Colts and been a key part of that defensive line. And I think the Jets, while they took all these rookies that are promising, whether it is Shepard, whether it is Fadukasi, I think they wanted some kind of veteran presence that could be a little more reliable next to Leonard Williams. Connor, Sam Darnold, 20-4, and four, is a starter at USC. He's impressed already with just his demeanor, his maturity. From your perspective, what do you like most about him, and where do you think he has to grow physically as a player as he makes the transition from Saturday to Sunday? Well, I think what I love most is his ability to improvise. I mean, if you talk to anyone at USC, all everyone ever talks about is the character and the ability to win and the leadership on and off the field. But when you keep things strictly on the field, players that can improvise at the quarterback position are the guys that can take over games. When you look at the impact Carson Wentz has made early on, especially last year before going down with injury, whether get you know getting out of the pocket or buying yourself more time in the pocket opens things up for the rest of the offense. Sam Darnold can do that. He doesn't need to be you know, perfectly positioned to make all the throws. That's what's so impressive with Darnold. Bates is going to purposely get him on the move to maximize that ability. Now, the biggest question is, Sam Darnold is 20 years old. Mm -hmm. Bates, you know, generally when he did call plays, they'll like to come out and have 15 to 18 scripted plays. How quickly will Darnold be ready to grasp all that and lead an offense that is truly a little more scripted and, and traditional. I think he's going to be fine because I think he has the mental makeup and the IQ to absorb all that. He's already obviously participated in rookie minicamp. He's going to be at the facility as much as any member of that entire organization. So you never have to worry about that with Darnold. But it's going to be interesting to see him play You know, a traditional style of football when things don't break down, going through multiple reads. I think it's something that he did do at USC You know, more so than given credit for. But now at the NFL, things get a lot faster. So the coverages will be tough at first, but you have to love his ability to really take over games and improvising on plays. What was your quarterback big board? Of course, uh, four quarterbacks going in the top ten, and then uh, Lamar Jackson finished off the 
first round, going 32nd overall as the Baltimore Ravens traded back in. I, I had it, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, and then really a 3A, 3B between Darnold and Jackson. And I kind of prefaced it that I thought all four are going to be starters in the NFL. It's, it's weird when you look at a class and say, there's always going to be so many misses. The only guy that really, really worried me significantly was Josh Allen because besides the completion percentage, I think that the turnovers when they were there were really bad. The, the play against Power 5 was, was, you know, he struggled immensely. But when you look at the other four, Rosen was your classic pocket passer that as long as he could stay healthy, which is a gigantic, you know, gamble. When you look at him falling all the way to 10, it tells you what NFL teams really thought of that. You know, the guy can play. There's no worry about that. Baker Mayfield being my second quarterback, he shockingly goes number one. So Cleveland truly believed in him. When you look at what Darnold and Jackson can be, the upside is just unbelievable. You know, when you look at Lamar Jackson, obviously the completion percentage was down, but once again, a player that the big plays can take over games, whether it is with his legs, whether it is taking shots downfield. Quietly, it was the same for Darnold, because when things broke down, that USC offense was not overly impressive at times. Yes, they had Ronald Jones, who did go on day two of the draft, but outside of that, the offensive line didn't do him a lot of favors. He didn't necessarily have a superstar at wide receiver or tight end, so those guys, I feel like we didn't get to see the best of them yet, and ironically, they are two of the youngest prospects in this class. Listen, I like Ronald Jones. I mean, if you watch That's him, boy. Yeah, if you, well, if you watch USC game film, like... Connor has. One guy continues to show up there is very impressive, Ronald Jones. And to what Connor was mentioning is that I think people have to remember when we talk about Darnold's turnovers, especially last year, is that offensive line was somewhat of a weak link at USC, but we, we've still got a transition. Let's talk 2019 draft. Wait, 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 real quick, real quick, yeah. before you get in there. Connor, Sam Darnold, is he the week one starter for this team? I think so. I think the only way he doesn't get that job is if Teddy Bridgewater shockingly really comes back to 80 to 90% of what Teddy was. That might give Darnold some time, but I think in a true camp competition, if it comes down to Darnold and McCown, his big playability is just going to take over, and I think they're going to roll with the rookie. And I think the team will rally behind him, too. All right, so 2019, it's never too early to look ahead to the following draft. Like 5,000 mock drafts on. Even, that, even though it's it May, and. I think on top of Connor's big board is a guy from Houston who we hear a lot about, Ed Oliver. But I want to ask, are there any names that Jets fans should follow next fall at maybe a rush linebacker position? A guy can play the 3-4, a guy can get off the edge. And let's go to the tackle on the offensive side of the ball because I know a lot of Jets fans are asking you the same questions that we're hearing uh, Connor, is that what, what are the Jets going to do uh, ultimately at tackle in the future? You know, they address the defensive line position in the draft. We talked about that today. But I, I, I wanted to get your thoughts, early thoughts, on maybe some edge rushers we can follow in the fall and also maybe some tackles out there possibly, even though it's not a glamour position per se as watching on Saturday afternoons. I think Jets fans are going to be very interested in them next year. Yeah, the Jets might have to make another Magic March trade to get one of these guys. But, I mean, number one for me in this entire class right now is Nick Bosa. I mean, you could say he's a clone of his brother. I think he has the chance to be an even better pass rusher off the edge. Everything for, you know, where he's at. A 20-year-old prospect right now, he's so technically sound. He's explosive. He's strong. 
another guy that's just loaded with talent in that Ohio State defense. Jets fans have been banging the table for this team to get an edge pass rusher, and when you look at Bosa, they just really don't come much better than him. When you look at this, you know, his the impact he can have right away, he's going to be the name everyone's watching out of that group next year. When you look at the offensive line, my third overall prospect is Jonah Williams at Alabama. He started 29 games in two years already for the Crimson Tide. He played right tackle as a freshman, and then he moved over to the left side last year. He's big, he's strong, he's very athletic. So when you look at a franchise left tackle, it feels like we've kind of been waiting for one now over the last couple of years because, yes, there have been first-round tackles in the last two drafts, but I wouldn't consider those guys blue-chip level prospects. Well, I look at Jonah Williams, and I, I would consider him a slam dunk for the top ten right now. Obviously a very clean prospect. i got to imagine he can play either – 4-3 DN, or you can stand him up at outside linebacker. Where do you think is his best home, though, ultimately? When you look at him, I think he really does his best work as a rush linebacker with his hand in the dirt. He can stand up because he's so athletic. It's funny how that family works overall. Bosa was, the Joey was the same exact way. When you look at his brother Nick now, it's the same thing. Do you want to maximize his ability? I kind of see him, you know, the role Calvin Pace played for this Jets team for so many years, whether it was a hand in the dirt to set the edge and stop the run or just unleash him on third down to get after the passer. Bosa is a natural pass rusher, and he's so strong against the run. I do think he's going to kind of be a you know hand in the dirt, essentially defensive lineman, but mm. with his athleticism, he's going to be in a 3-4, and, and that'll really maximize what he brings to the table. Oh, yeah, before we let you go, Connor, i got to ask you, Hoboken, because I haven't asked my man Greens about this. <laughs> so if you're, if you're going to a sports bar on Saturday, maybe the Jets are playing it home on a Sunday, Where, where's the spot you got to go in Hoboken? Man, that is, it's tough when you're looking for just the Jets game because they got Steelers, Cowboys bars. But for the Jets, I, I go to the poorhouse because it's literally a block from my apartment. I like to keep things nice and convenient. And they actually usually do have the Jets audio on in there if you ask, unlike a lot of the other <laughs> if you ask. that Does... cater to all these other teams. Okay, well, I, I'm going to follow that up with uh, with one question based on EA. So Sam Darnold is 20 years old. I have asked this to EA before on the pod. I'm going to make this Hoboken tailored for you. Where are you taking Sam Darnold to get his first beer in Hoboken? Yeah, maybe you take the Jets off as a line with you because we talked to Willie Colon recently. He said, hey, listen, you just don't want to go out with yourself. You've got to take care of your boys. You've got to take care of your teammates. That's that's not a bad call. I mean, Darnold strikes me as kind of a classier dude. I think he's going to Antique Bar and Bakery between first and second on Willow, and, and that's the so and now you know after you're the third overall pick he can cover the check there too i think <laughs> yeah yeah that's probably true too i thought maybe you were going to go with cork city but maybe that's a little little low i low would on. but they're the browns bar now so we got to oh. keep him away the browns passed on him he doesn't go to the browns yeah no bar no that, I, I didn't realize <laughs> that. that's but, no but you you said that's a classy establishment uh so he'll be would you be ordering sam a craft beer what do, what do you think? Yeah, Sam's an IPA guy all the way. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I like to hear. See, Gr- Gr- Green's asked me the same thing. and said, hey, listen, if you're giving Sam his first beer, where would you go? I said, well, first. No, no I, I said, what kind of beer? Yeah, you said Dogfish yeah, Head, and then you said, we'll make I, it West Coast, I, and we'll go Stone. Right, but I, yeah, I said, where would you go as far as direction is okay. concerned? And I said, <laughs> I, I go to Delaware first because I, I'm a big Dogfish dogfish head guy either the 60 minute or the 90 minute that would be a nice one to go with <laughs> but then i had to pay homage to southern california connor and i said you never can go wrong with the stone that's right they got <laughs> they got a lot of good stuff out there i mean 
I think uh, Sam's first beer, though, might have to be something with a little more New York flavor. Maybe we get him a Bronx Ale or something like that. Okay. Uh, I, I think also if he wanted to go more uptown Hoboken, he can check out the beer garden once he gets well-versed in his IPAs. Yeah, well. Well, he'll have one beer, and then he's coming back to the complex. He's got to do a lot of studying. <laughs> Connor, it was great catching up with you. Hopefully we'll chat soon. Oh, guys, thank you so much. It was awesome. Have a good one, all right? Connor Rogers also agreeing that Sam Darnold is an IPA man. Yeah, you got Sam, it. I mean, at this point, he has to know he's an IPA guy because everyone's saying he is an IPA guy. It's almost like... So many people tell you that you almost just kind of believe it. I just think he's so polished. So a polished guy like that, yeah, you got to go to an IPA, an Indian Pale Ale. He's not drinking Bud Light. Come on. No, he, no offense he, to anybody he, drinking he, Bud Light or Miller Light. No, no dilly dilly. But, uh, yeah, give him a nice craft beer in a little goblet glass. I like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and he could take the offensive line out, like Willie said, uh, at some point. But, uh uh, nice spot by Connor there, who shares the same neighborhood as you. Yes, he does. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to agree with him on his establishment selection. Yep. The poorhouse, I believe, what Connor was saying, up the block from him, whatever, I believe that's a Penn State bar on uh, Saturdays, though. Oh, really? Yeah. So half our organization's hanging out there on Saturdays? Well, if they decide to go to Hoboken. So, but uh, Connor, he is also in that um, group who is really high on Dimitri Flowers. I know yes. our own Randy Lang, the esteemed historian, contributor here, master editor. for Master uh, statistician. Oh, everything. Um, for us, he did a nice piece on him. I know a couple other folks in the media have written about Dimitri Flowers. So perhaps he's a guy who can do some damage. We'll have to see. We'll, we'll definitely watch him. Well, yeah, l- let's uh, real quick, just, you know, that's one of the position battles come training camp. It is going to be Dimitri Flowers and Lawrence Thomas, who signed as an undrafted free agent after, what, 2016 draft? And then he was a defensive lineman, got hurt early on in the year, came back last year. He didn't make the team originally, then made it as a D lineman, and then switched to fullback. And then he went from number 97 to 44. He almost had a touchdown reception against the Dolphins in Week 3. When you look at these two guys, I mean, they're, they're pretty different because Lawrence Thomas is a monster for a fullback. I mean, this dude is huge. This guy's a former defensive lineman. Yeah, he's, he's, big, he's, he's a big, big guy. And he can move. And he used to block for Le'Veon Bell uh, at Michigan well, State. Are you going to steal my thunder? Yeah, that's going to be – we can watch that position battle. It might uh, not be it, the sexiest one, it but is, it's a position It battle. is going to be fascinating what happens to tight end. Let's be, let's be honest here, and we talked to Connor about that a little bit. This is a, you know, we got Eric Tomlinson. You, you got uh, Clive, uh, you have Eric Herndon. Chris Herndon. Well, I was just talking about myself. I just made, <laughs> I just made myself Chris's brother. <laughs> you, so, okay. <laughs> okay. Chris Herndon. So EA e- is uh, doubling down as team reporter <laughs> and tight end for, for the New York. Hey, maybe that could be your next EA challenge. Yeah. Uh, doing Chris, stuff with the tight end. Uh, Chris Herndon. But there's a lot of numbers at that tight end position. We got two Miami guys to here too. What's Clive Walford? Clive Walford and, 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 and Chris Herndon. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to say you you might have some beef with your 
with your brother now because you went to Florida <laughs> post grad. Well, yeah, I'm a safety on. I'm probably a safety on this lineup because I'll, I'll be playing with the, the SEC guys. Okay. I, I might fit in better with the SEC guys because I got Jamal Adams. Uh, I'll allow it. He went to LSU. Oh, okay. You know, but okay. but I got Marcus it. May. That's good. Marcus May, proud to be a Florida Gator. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then but then you also have James Carpenter who'll steam you, steamroll you if you're on the wrong side of. <laughs> Of the ball. No, that's where we take, Marcus and I will have Jamal take on that blocker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Free up some okay. space for us, okay? Okay, so the Florida boys don't want contact? No, we love contact, but we'd rather, um, you know, in this case. You'd rather have someone else take the fall. Yeah, this Florida guy. No, no, Jamal <laughs> won't take, take the fall. He'll embrace the impact. He's just going to be the team player for me, and I'll, I'll, I'll clean up. Okay, yeah. all right. And who are you cleaning up? Oh, what? I'm not cleaning up anybody. I'm just saying I'm cleaning up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that's good. Again, this is... So, just... 2019, Bosa, huh? Yeah, Bosa. What do you think? He's the leader in the uh, clubhouse. Yeah, he is. And he is a pass rusher. Y- yeah. Well, the only reason why I would say Ed Oliver is because he's one of those guys, as it stands now, is like he... I, again, I'm not following... You know, I'm not breaking down tape. Like but where's Connor Eddie Oliver playing? Is he I think the, he's defensive tackle. Right. So, but, so he's probably like a three technique. Right. But what he's I'm, not a nose tackle. But what I'm saying is that this guy's 200 or 300 something pounds, yeah. whatever. Maybe he's 280 pounds. Yeah. I, I I don't remember. But this video of him running around yeah. like a defensive back, like reaching out and catching, is freakish. And I feel like players that go at the top of the draft are more like unicorns than not. You know what I mean? Like. Nick Bosa is going to be a great player if all pans out the way that it's expected to. But to me, maybe that's like a top three player because he's someone that, that has the skill don't. set to dominate an NFL game. And not only that, here's why I say he won't be. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, here's why I say he won't yeah. be. Because there's so much time and between now and then, and so many players shoot up draft boards like crazy. Yeah. And Luku went number one overall in the 2018 NFL draft, and nobody knew I wonder if we until had Connor, the day of the draft. We should have asked Connor that when we had him on, now that uh, uh, I'm thinking about it. We just had him on like, hindsight. a couple minutes ago. Is that, uh, I wonder what he had Baker Mayfield uh, prior uh, to this season. And I wonder what Matt Miller had. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Not not criticizing anybody. I'm saying my point is so what you're saying is that so much can change over the course of a calendar year. He could have been like a third, fourth, sixth round guy before yeah. the year. I don't remember people putting him in any kind of category involving Sam Darnold, the Jets quarterback now, Josh Rosen, who joined the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Miller has always been on board the train of Josh Allen. He's yeah, he, he said has. he said early on last year, you know, you guys watching Patrick Mahomes think he's something. I got another guy for you. Yeah, I know. He, I remember Matt talking about Josh Allen early. He actually made a bet with his brother that if uh, Josh Allen or this this bet happened a while ago that if um, his brother said that if Josh Allen goes top ten, he's getting a Natty Light tattoo, like natural light, the beer, not an IPA. I know what a Natty Light is, and that's disgusting. <laughs> and how about both, this? Both. How about this? A more recent bet. Since we're not sponsored, and by the way, if you're listening to this, what are you doing? I mean, you gotta 
you know, <laughs> sponsoring the official Jets podcast. I'd rather be sponsored by a craft beer. And, of course, it's a loss of bet. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, for, I don't know why you'd want a natty like that, too. But if he wanted, you know, he was adamant on his stance. And how about this? If Baker Mayfield ended up being the Jets selection at number three, Matt Miller would be regrowing his hair. He was going to shave his head if he went to the Jets. I think Sam Darnold and Josh Allen will be the two best quarterbacks out of this draft class. Hot takes on the official Jets podcast. And I'm not saying that because Sam Darnold Hot won Hot takes. Um, I just feel that ultimately is what's going to happen. The Jordan Palmer boys. I think Allen, I'm really bullish on him, but I think Darnold, if I, again, from my limited watch, as far as I don't break it down like those other guys do, but as far as what we watched, uh, I, w- I put Darnold on top of everything and the people we talk to. We, we are fortunate to be in our position. We get a chance to talk to a lot of people on the ground throughout the league, um, people who cover the draft and so forth. And I came away thinking all along that Darnold was the top quarterback in this class and the Jets got him. And I also thought that Josh Allen's a freak and – I'm not worried about his completion percentage, and I'm going to be really fascinated by the rivalry that ultimately develops between the Jets and the Bills. I think that's the coolest part because you can What if Rosen went to Miami? That would have been nuts, huh? I know. That that was my bold prediction before the draft uh, that I I was talking with one of our producers. I said, hey, you know, here's a bold prediction for you. I came in one morning and said, here's a bold prediction. Three out of the four top quarterbacks are going to end up in the AFC East. And it almost happened. Well, it almost happened. And another thing that uh, I would give myself credit on, I said either Rosen or Mayfield would drop. And yeah. it happened to be. You, it, you also said that you would give up six mortgage payments if Mayfield went number one overall. Um, yes, I did. Yes, I did. And so it, it comes and goes, but yes, you have to give and yourself And nobody credit took me up an offer. You all looked at me like, okay. So. I don't. Be, uh, you, you should keep that. Keep paying the mortgage. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you for uh, allowing me to pay my mortgage. <laughs> I didn't want to take your money. Okay. Oh, yeah, you are a good man. <laughs> I try. Whatever. I try. I'm out. That's all we have this week on the official Jets podcast. I said I'm out. <laughs> EA's out. Follow him on Twitter at EA Allen Jets. Follow me on Twitter, E Greenberg Jets. Now I'm out.